1979, the first issue of Fangoria was released into the world. It's been over 40 years, and they are better than ever, with each issue bringing you 100 pages of exclusive, carefully curated content honoring horror's past, present, and future. These articles and interviews will never be published online, so the only way to read them is by getting your hands on a physical, collectible copy of your own. We can't give anything away. Because we want the experience to be a surprise, but we can safely say that you do not want to miss a single page. So head to Fangoria.com right now to learn more, to subscribe, and while you're there, make sure to enter the promo code KINGCAST to save 25% off your yearly subscription. Now on with the show. Fangoria. Hi. My name is Stephen King. Sometimes that is better. Hello and welcome back to the Kingcast on the Fangoria Podcast Network. My name's Scott Wampler. And I'm Eric Vespi. And we are your hosts. Our guests today are the hosts of uh, one of the most diabolical, compulsively listenable podcasts of the modern era, Screen Drafts. Vespi and I recently appeared on that show to draft our picks, uh, along with Winter Mitchells and, and our friend Louis Peitzmans, uh, for the top 13 Stephen King adaptations of all time. And we thought we'd bring uh, uh, that show's hosts over to the Kingcast for a little crossover action with a twist. Today, we will be putting our guests through their own paces on a draft for the best Stephen King cameos. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Clay Keller and Brian Marker of Screen Drafts to the KingCast stage. How are you doing today, boys? Oh, good, doing, good. doing great, Scott. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- th- thank you. I, it, it, you've, you've had a week now, or like a, a week and a half, to figure out something nice to say about our show. And I think you did a great yeah. job. I, I, I really well, appreciate thank it. Thank you. I, no, I love your show. You, you guys got to understand. I'm just an impatient man. And, and if you get me doing anything for five hours, by the end of it, I'm going to be cranky. But uh, but we, we love you guys. And I really I, th- I think the show is pretty diabolical. You get uh, <laughs> friends going like going at each other's throats. You uh, you you your um, listeners uh, are very vocal in their uh, displeasure <laughs> when they do not like what the uh, what the guests have done. Um, yeah. It's you've created your own little uh, cinematic Thunderdome over there <laughs> for for anyone who hasn't heard the show would, would one of you like to ex- uh, explain it to the audience yeah uh, sure i should do this because i generally don't know what's happening <laughs> oh shoot that was gonna i was gonna say ryan would you like to, to to give it a shot would you like to try to explain our show that we've been doing for five years uh, <laughs> no i wouldn't i ryan i wouldn't make you do that um yeah no i scott i think you put it very well when you said it's a cinematic thunderdome uh it, it's a game we play uh we get um you know people who are friends who are colleagues to come on they pick a topic and they alternate placing picks on a single definitive best of list for that <laughs> topic if you're a sports person it's sort of you get, close your eyes and imagine you are in the room on draft day and you have two general you know two gms who are who are on the same team but they have really different opinions and they're trying to build one roster that that represents both of them um but yeah it's it's an ascending best of list 
building game and discussion. Uh, it's a lot of fun. There's 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 vetoes that can be thrown out, uh, and uh, your listeners here today, Scott, are going to get a little taste of this, as you said. Yes. Uh, when when Ryan and I uh, apply this game to Stephen King cameos, which will be a unique situation because we have a really strict rule on screen drafts that we only draft films we never draft uh people or uh mm-hmm. you know uh, songs or any any kind of like other elements of film it's it's entire films always being discussed so this will be this will be a unique uh uh situation maybe you'll love it and you'll be like guess what we just broadened uh, our screen drafts horizons <laughs> in the future perhaps perhaps uh it'll just be all cameos from here on out it's just we're we're gonna get real niche uh for year six of the show there's uh free guy there's been a little controversy (laughs) about the episode that we were we were just on in relation Mm. to where it chapter one uh appeared Mm. on that i've seen a number of people flagging that particular decision on um on Twitter, and uh, it seems like the consensus is that we're all just too fucking old. <laughs> like, yeah, like, there was an outcry from the young m- millennials and Gen Zers. Yeah, yeah I, I was, um, I was surprised by this because I feel like I felt like we. I mean, I would have to go back and listen to it. It was a long conversation, but I felt like we mm-hmm. we sort of outlined, you know, probably somewhat eloquent, eloquently, um, why we felt the way we did about it or, or, or where hmm. its placement was. But yeah, that mini series just looms very large for, for a certain generation. So <laughs> yeah, I tried and I get to walk out smelling like roses on that one because yeah. I was the one that, that tried to, to place it. Maybe my fuck up was I, I should have tried to place it higher up or like lower on the list, like yeah, closer further to back. 13. Yeah. But like, but I had like one pick, you know, the, just the way that uh, that my draft order was is like I got a lot of picks in the top half of the the list, and so Scott went buck wild with uh, with his like twelve and thirteen, and was and went <laughs> wild, w- widely unchallenged with uh, throwing out his maximum overdrives and uh, uh, night flyers and whatnot. But uh, but yeah, I, I, once we get in that top five, then like to put in. It chapter one, and I recognize this would have mean, meant like not having Carrie or one of the the giant titles in there. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I had to try because because uh, I I agree with today's youth that uh, that this is a formative and hugely important pop culture yeah. moment, not just for horror in general, but you know for King specifically. So I tried, I tried, y'all. But what um Eric speaks for the children. I think, yeah. Well, let's not go too too crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm curious what the most controversial episode of the show you've ever had was. Oh mm. boy, the most controversial episode uh, of the show we've like ever the one that had. got the most people yelling at you or the guests. Yeah, um, we've had a few controversial ones. I mean, there, there there are ones that are controversial amongst the real hardcore fans like the Billy Wilder episode that actually Ryan uh, did with our friend Oriana Nudo because Ryan uh, just very blatantly eschewed some long held uh, uh, rules and regulations and sort of screen drafts manners. Um, and a lot of people got, got upset with him for that, but that's more of a niche episode. That's not one that kind of broke out. Uh, the part, two, was it part two? The whole James Bond thing was haunts us <laughs> to this day. Uh, yeah, the James Bond one was it was a was a two part. We brought back the same people. We did all twenty at that point twenty 
five, I guess it was James Bond movies. It was right after No Time to Die came out. And we brought back, we broke it into two recordings because it was just going to simply be 10 hours. Uh, we had <laughs> like Phil Nobile like bailed on part two of the recording he had a good excuse uh he had to go on vacation to fleming's island i forgot yeah, uh, to, yeah. <laughs> to goldeneye he was like so yep. we had to replace him for the second part um and and there was just all all kinds of picks and all kinds of there was some people who came in with with uh, aggressively unconventional opinions uh and we got into some real some real heat like generally we like generally Almost every mm-hmm. episode, and and your guys' episode was like this. We bring on people who are friends who don't mind ribbing each other a little bit, getting a little heated, but in a fun way. And then, it, but we all know it's a game, right? Um, right. This James Bond one was one where I think people forgot uh, that it was a game. And, uh, it's it's. Uh, I still hear that was like two years ago now, and I still get like tweets and like emails and things that are uh, 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 expressing displeasure and disgust at what happened on that episode mm. so that one's out there the uh, james bond two-part people go crazy <laughs> i'm not terribly surprised to hear that because i know you know I'm, I'm friends with phil and i know what a james bond fan he is and he's frequently tweeting or retweeting james bond shit into my my feed on twitter and it's that fan base seems furious all the time oh. like like they're like <laughs> well, star and- wars fans they they are, and the thing about them, though, is that they are, every single one of them, and I guess Star Wars is going to grow to this point, because you're getting that, it's like, uh, people who love Star Wars love, like, I grew up with the prequels, the prequels are my Star Wars, the right. or I grew up with the original trilogy, that's my Star Wars, I th- and I think that much to the chagrin of a lot of the current Disney uh, Star Wars haters, there's a whole generation that grew up with the Disney Star Wars that in 10, 15 years are going to be talking about how they're misunderstood and everybody was right. too mean to fucking you right. know, whoever blight. Right. Um, but James Bond fans take that to a whole new level. One of the first things that I did when I left ain't it cool. And I was like, God, I need money. What am I going to do is um, uh, Matt Goldberg at, at Collider offered me a, Hey, we're, we have this like big, ranking of james bond movies that we want to do and we'll pay you like 300 bucks to 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 you know essentially rank the james bond movies with a paragraph on why they're they are where they are and i turned that in thinking i had it made and my fucking twitter was just unreadable for a week because people were like how fucking dare you not put the the spy who loved me you know in the top three and i'm like i just i don't like roger moore he's not my bond i'm sorry like like his stuff is like that fucking movie looks like a soap opera it looks like an episode of dallas it's hard for me to get get through it i get you know it's like i i you know yeah i also rewatched all of them you know in in order to do this and and all this but i didn't i like the only other people that have given me as much shit are people who hate the last jedi um and or uh, snyder bros those are the only other mm-hmm. fandom that's ever given me near the shit that i got from james bond fans yeah james bond i i like you eric i thought ah james bond these are like you know silly movies that most people kind of like like all of them but don't think any of them are masterpiece oh boy i could not have been more i every <laughs> and, and james bond it, it 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 really inherently as you pointed out eric because it's been around for so fucking long and there's so many different eras mm-hmm. of micro generations and it, it turns into a generational battle. It yeah. turns into, it's not just, I like these movies. I don't like these movies. It turns into a, 
like fuck you old man uh yep yeah <laughs> thing uh and it's oh boy that's a good one uh R- ryan is that what you were gonna say as well james bond or do you have another most controversial episode that sticks out you avoid all response to the show so you probably have no, <laughs> no no concept of what of people's reactions. That is absolutely not true. I work at the Arrow <laughs> Theater where people That's will right, come and person. they will yell at me personally about some <laughs> bullshit. Like I'm trying to just do my job and I'll have somebody say, hey, that fucking King episode, you know, and they'll just about somebody else's picks. I mean, the right. thing with our show is I just feel like there's many different quagmires that you can get into that will mm. piss off a certain contingency of people, whether sure. it be your final list and that final determination and just their overall dissatisfaction with that or how you play the game. Sometimes as Clay alluded to, like, you know, manners and how that, how that goes down. Like some people just don't like your tone about talking mm-hmm. about a specific movie. And then there's just yeah. other, just <laughs> gameplay things. Like I got fucking hammered for playing a veto on the Rocky draft. Mm. And I, I didn't know that like when you play a veto, like you're doing something and you just kind of don't know that when you're in the thick of the game I and mean, you guys just played. So, you know, that mm-hmm. but, like, you know, five moves later, you're going to be like, fuck, I shouldn't have done that. Well, they, you know, the audience heard that and is so pissed off and is going to carry that to your grave. So <laughs> I just think there's so many different places to piss them off that <laughs> you're sort of like, I, I know you're fans cause you're so heated about this, but it feels like you hate this show at the same time. It's very <laughs> weird. It's a very weird reaction, but they listen to the very, you know, they listen to all five yeah. hours or whatever. I mean, we're very devoted following, but uh, it's yeah. a, it's, it's a machine <laughs> it's for, it's a machine for anger, this show. And yes. what's what's really incredible about it is mm. you haven't ended more friendships on the air that like, we, you know, yeah. it's 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 the guests might, you know, every once in a while get like, you know, up, genuinely upset with one another. But like sure. it's everyone's playing a game. But meanwhile, everyone listening is like <laughs> they're just they're, as you yeah. just pointed out, there's a, a cornucopia of of opportunities to for things to get angry about i you know my hat is off to you anytime you can (laughs) any anytime you can create something that will that 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 can cause that much of a disruption i think i think you've done a a a very good job you've created the risk of uh of podcasts yeah (laughs) the friendship ender of podcasts (laughs) we we truly have i i am glad uh that our show did not uh, lead to the dissolution of the King cast. You guys yeah. made it through the gauntlet intact. Uh, so I'm never having anything to do with Lewis Peitzman again. I'll tell you what. No, but you know, he and winter tried to, to jam Christine way too high on that list, but yes, it's good they, that we, it's good that we had them there because I think Vespi and I are mostly, mostly on the same page with this stuff you know yeah, right we have been asked to rank like the top 10 stephen king movies on several occasions and it's like it, it's to a point now where i think one of us could write the list without even checking with the other you know they're, they're <laughs> sure. one we'd be close yeah yeah something might be out of place here and there but it's like you know we're, yeah we're pretty pretty in uh, pretty much in lockstep i think well, then it's good that we threw Lewis and Winter at you. Uh, yeah, that was it was a great episode. We've had great response. And if any of your listeners haven't listened to that yet, uh, if you are a KingCast fan, obviously, Eric and Scott 
uh, are on there. But also, if you're a Kingcast fan, I know that you love Winter Mitchell. Mm-hmm. And if you, I believe mm-hmm. you guys said uh, that 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 Lewis has been on your oh, Patreon yeah. frequently. Yeah, so it's uh, pop, pop over and listen to it, even if you don't like what you've heard from from me and Ryan thus far. <laughs> uh, we don't talk that much after the intro, so uh, you'll you'll in, in, enjoy this uh, that Stephen King draft. We ought to get to uh, our guest Stephen King origin stories. Yes. Oh yeah, I was about Ooh. to even skip right over that and go go right into the game. So good, good uh, looking out. Well, this uh, is yeah. a, you know a question we ask all of our guests, and it, we do basically we're asking when did Stephen King first pop up on your radar as this force in pop culture? I think you should start, Ryan. Okay, for me, my whenever I think of Stephen King, I think of my mom. She's mm-hmm. a big uh, dime store reader. She loved uh, she loved her paperbacks, and uh, they were amongst the first books that I read. And you know, it's like it's weird today to think back to the '80s because there's just no phone, social media, nothing to the mm-hmm. point that like you're. I'm, I just remember the day I was bored as fuck, nothing on TV, mm-hmm. and I just went over to my mom's like books and found Christine, a book that she had regularly told me i'm not allowed to read so of course that's like <laughs> it's like porno where you're like of course i'm gonna find it as as right. as quickly as i can and i would i would wait till she went to bed i would take it down to my room read a chapter and then bring it back up and put it back so and that then she didn't carefully know. replace it <laughs> yeah, so that she never knew it was gone and um i read the entire entire book that way <laughs> Um, and I was fucking riveted, of course. Like Christine, I f- I feel like I've heard many times that that's kind of a big gateway book for people in mm. terms of Stephen King. I don't know why, but the cover had that big, you know, had that beautiful car on it. You just it just had some some sort of appeal. A lot of those books had great covers, oh yeah, great font and stuff like that. But anyway, that was it. It was Christine primarily. My first movie, my God, I don't even fucking know. I'd probably say. Stand by me, just because yeah. that became like we talked about on the show. That was a childhood, like everybody saw it as yeah. a young boy, especially. It was just such yeah. an entryway, and 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 it was one of those things where you're like, oh wait, and Stephen King wrote that. He's not just you know the the weirdo from Maximum Overdrive. Like he was, you know, Stand by Me is like it was a classic when when it was born. So to hear that it was Stephen King that wrote it made his like legend that much more. I think rich in my mind and in, in our young minds, I think. Yeah, totally. And uh, how about you play for me? I mean, I, I, and I touched on this a little bit when we were doing our draft uh, over on our show, but I, I think Stephen King for, and really largely to this day is maybe the largest cultural object that I am largely ignorant about. Mm. Everybody has those things that, 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 that huge thing, that huge corner of pop right. culture or, or art, or, you know, those, you, you get the people who are in adults and they're like, Oh, I've never seen a star Wars. Like it's, it's one yeah. of those things where it's like, I have seen, you know, eight, nine, 10 of the Stephen King adaptation films, but I, despite being a big reader as a kid, like, like Ryan, as as a as a young kid, I was into adult fiction. I was a big. I was reading, you know, Michael Crichton when I was in third grade. I was, but Stephen, I was a scaredy cat. So Stephen King, so effectively, you know, branded himself or was branded as the fucking scariest man, the guy who wrote the the stuff that will fuck you up the most. That I didn't dare 
I was, I, uh, my, my mom liked to say that I had an overactive imagination, which just meant I was a coward. Uh, I was a little <laughs> yellow belly coward and I, everything scared me. And so I avoided Stephen King. I avoided the name, mm-hmm. uh, to this day. And now and then as an adult, I don't have time to read ever. Uh, so, so now that I would, I'm, I'm like the top 10 books on my, I have to read this list are all Stephen King. And I haven't gotten into any of them yet. Maybe I'll start with Christine. Per- I wouldn't start with Christine. Per Ryan's suggestion, no. I have actually. I've got the the one I've got right here next to me is Pet Cemetery. I was thinking of starting yeah. with Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery is a solid first one. Solid I think. choice. But like, yeah. yeah. I mean, for me, the first one I saw was probably Shawshank. You know, uh, Stand by Me. Um, once I kind of got more into horror movies, obviously I've seen The Shining a million times, and and there are different ones that I that I really love. Um, but yeah, no, I I wasn't. I was a '90s kid. Uh, and like early aughts kid. And that was sort of a, I feel like that was sort of a quiet period in terms of Stephen King. That was when there was a lot mm-hmm. of like TV miniseries, but there weren't a bunch of movies. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I, I am someone who is going, I'm kind of a late bloomer with King and I'm inspired partially by you guys. Uh, uh, I am, I'm, it's a project for me. I'm going to be, I'm going to be diving in more. Nice. Well, I think that cemetery is a good, you know, place to start. I wouldn't, I don't know. I was, I was. Yeah. If you guys have a recommendation for what I should start with, I'm all ears. I think that's a good one. Um, Like all the way around, like it's, uh, it's a very well balanced. It's scary as shit. It's real gnarly. You know, like I think my stock answer has, has usually been the shining, but I was rethinking that recently because I think that if you've only ever seen the movie version of the shining, you know, the Kubrick, and then you make that your first Stephen King book. Um, I think the fact that it's it's so different might throw you off, you know. Mm. So maybe maybe Pet Cemetery is the way to go. And yeah, yeah. what do you think? Best the, short, the short story collections are also a good yeah. place yeah. to go. Skeleton Crew or Night Shift in particular. Um, but uh, you know, I think you should probably work your way to something like eleven twenty two sixty three pretty quickly. Uh, I'm trying to think of his like yeah. page. Turner, I enjoyed so, like miniseries. I thought that was pretty fun. And if you, yeah, it's, it's fine. Minus James Franco being horribly the sleepiest, the, the sleepiest yeah. lead of all time. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 yeah, my opinion on that's gone up a little bit since I've forced myself to finish it. But there, there was a period of, uh, time on the show where we were convinced that nobody would ever actually watched the entire thing, <laughs> uh, because we kept bringing it up and both Scott and I fell off like before the last couple episodes and, uh, when it aired and then we'd have people on the show talking about it Yeah, and none of them had finished it either. So, we we had a little pet theory that it was impossible to, to <laughs> well, watch the entire thing. Well, um, then 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 that is that's the the space that I will claim. I am the guy who, <laughs> without any prompting or or you know prodding, watched all of eleven twenty two sixty three on purpose and of my own volition, mostly because Ooh. I am just a sucker. Even if it's bad, I am a sucker for alternate history yeah. stories. Right. Yeah, uh, I think I I just I love it. And anything that's like mid-century, but a little sci-fi supernatural, I'm always into. And uh, Sarah Gaddon in that is maybe the most beautiful, beautiful a person's woman ever that's ever been on television. Yeah. So yeah. there were a few things yeah. that kind of pulled me through that uh, that eight episodes or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, I think I even <laughs> tweeted when I revisited. I'm like, you can say whatever you want about 112263, but they cast the perfect Sadie. Oh, and man. like th- this is the girl that you would like fuck up time for. So I get it. I get it. 
Um, all right, you guys want to want to jump in? Are you ready for some role reversal going on Oof. here, where you actually get get to play, and uh, we get uh, Scott and I get to be your commissioners? Yes, I, I am, am ready. Ooh. Yes. Okay, so I'm gonna go through what we talked about previously. This is my first time in this role, so please uh, feel free to come in and correct me with your expertise. But the way we're doing this is we are going to have drafter A and drafter B, and we will decide who is which via the winner of a, tri- a brief trivia contest that we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So drafter A gets picks seven. We're doing the top seven Stephen King cameos. Uh, drafter A gets picks seven, six, four, and two. Drafter B gets picks five, three, and one. And you will get one veto each. So each you, one of you guys, or both of you guys, have the opportunity to veto, uh, overrule a uh, a choice. Whether that means you want that that position higher on the list or you want the fuck off the list, that's up to you guys. Do you want to like run everybody through like you know your traditional rules, like the mooch rule and all that stuff? Are we playing by those rules? Or we- <laughs> Yeah. I think this one is uh, very thoroughly blowing <laughs> up the mooch rule. What we're going to do, what we're doing here, like I said, we're, we decided when Scott was like, what do you guys want to do? Mm-hmm. Um, it was an interesting question. Cause like I said, I am, I consider myself generally a Stephen King neophyte. So I basically offered like, you know, throw at us whatever you want. You know, if there's a topic that people, that no other uh, guests have ever wanted to do, we'll do that. You know, I have no problem what, t- talking about, bad movies or bad you know whatever but scott was also right, like change, we, we, change of plans let's talk about that pupil let's do it oh <laughs> god oh boy howdy have you not have you avoided apt pupil this entire time yeah i refuse yep. to do an episode on it i'm just not doing it this is a show about horror but it is also you know pretty much a comedy podcast um i'm not taking I, my I, I can uh, pupil and applying it to this show's formula because all of us will end up <laughs> Even though we are not on video, I will bet $100 that Ryan right now is over in front of his computer <laughs> rubbing his hands together diabolically like, oh, God, I would love to talk about Apt Pupil. <laughs> they haven't talked about Apt Pupil. It's, it's my, my time to shine. We, we talked about the story when like Will Wheaton came on and did different seasons. Right. And so that's one of the one of the um, stories in that in that book. Um, and. That's the closest we've ever come to it beyond, you know, bringing it up from time to time as a thing you're never going to get an episode on. I just <laughs> I just I feel like it's a, a fucking minefield. And uh, yeah, and totally if, we, if we, you know, switch gears on it and did like an ultra serious episode on it where, you know, like what what are we going to say? Like, I've never seen the movie. What if I see it? And it's like, you know, I'm going to say anything complimentary about it no like so we're just gonna beat up on it for an hour and a half like it's pointless it's just a bad idea all the way around yeah it would be an episode about nazis and brian singer no one wants to talk about that at (laughs) all right well uh, i officially volunteer myself and and ryan marker to talk about apt pupil when whenever you guys want um down anytime for the Patreon, maybe. Yeah. A commentary. I'm, I'm yeah, let's, let's do a commentary. Scott can watch it for the first time. Oh, we can say, this, is, this is the moment that almost got uh, Brian Singer put in jail. Right. We, mm-hmm. we can do a draft of uh, of elements of apt pupil that have aged the worst. 
<laughs> ascending. Um, Scott also said, uh, you know, we're looking to break the format a little bit of the show. Yeah. So why don't we do a draft? And I said, okay, the thing that interests me, and, and again, as somebody who is not a, you know, wouldn't describe myself as a Stephen King guy, something that I have noticed uh, is that, and, and part of the reason why he has, you know, he's not just uh, a famous novelist and he's become this sort of pop culture icon i think part of the reason is because he does do a lot of cameos he he puts his face out there constantly um so that is something that i had noticed he pops up in in lots of things adapted from his work but also other things and and uh, i thought it would be fun to look at at all these cameos Okay. And do them, do them as a draft. I thought it'd be um, unique for for Ryan and I because, like I said, it kind of format breaks our show and it format breaks your show. So uh, yeah, I thought it would be fun to do, and you guys were on board. And I'm oh, yeah. and I watched a bunch of Stephen King cameos out of context uh, to prepare for this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, do we want to go ahead and jump in the trivia and figure out which? Uh... So I guess the the winner of the trivia is the first to two or three. However you guys, I mean, how many questions do you have prepared? Well, I have one, two, three. I have four questions prepared oh, at the moment. Oh, shit. Yeah, so let's do first to, first to two then, I guess. Let's do first to two, uh, and then they get choice of which draft position they want to be in, and then we'll fucking go from there. How's that let's sound? Do it. Done. All right, so uh, I do like your rules of, like, wait till I finish speaking uh, uh, to shout out your, your, uh, your answer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I should probably pull up the audio bar thing so I can see who's actually doing it in case there's a close call. Ooh, um, yeah, I got kind of a mix of movie and book ish things here. So that might put Clay at a disadvantage, but I will <sighs> try to do one of each at the beginning here. All right. Okay. You ready? OK. Yep. OK. So what future superstar got her start as a featured extra in Children of the Corn 3 Urban Harvest? Uh, uh, Jennifer Aniston. Nope. Mm. Chris, uh, children You're of the corn. Leprechaun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I thought maybe she, yeah. Jennifer Aniston's original nose in leprechaun. leprechaun. Yeah. Is it um Sarah Michelle Geller? It is not. I can Ooh. I can give a hint. There's a movie coming out this year that features this person's character, but is not starring this person herself. It's a it's a prequel. Charlize, oh, Charlize Theron. Theron. Yeah, who you both said it kind of at the same time. I, I see Clay I started first, but I really made a meal of it, which was uh, a tactical <laughs> error in terms of answering a trivia question. Uh, <laughs> so it's your so, yes. call, Eric. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, well, you 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 got the sh out first, so you got the uh, Clay the sh firster. That's what Thank we're going to start yes. calling you. Um, okay, so uh, what is the town of Jerusalem's lot named after? Is it A, a Bible verse, B, a pig, C, the name of the religious figure who founded the town? A pig. It is a pig. <laughs> <laughs> it is indeed. That was a book question. Holy shit. Fucking God, he ran away with it. it, it, was the, it was, well, it was, it was the funniest answer. If, right. if, if there's ever a, a thing where I have no clue, I just pick which, whichever answer is the funniest or least Most expected. <laughs> That's what it I is. did. Jerusalem. Multiple the choice pig. tests in high school. Yeah. Well, sorry, Ryan. I was trying to trying to get that's some okay. stuff in there. So, so. I, I generally lose trivia, so that's totally fine. I'm well used to this. All right. Yeah. So which which uh, drafter position do you want there, Clay? Do you want uh, A? 
Or do I e. want A or B? I hmm. I, ooh. <laughs> I, Having I'll been take, on the I'll other end, I'll take A. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'll take A. Having been on the other end, I kind of wish that I I had uh, stolen Scott's idea mm-hmm. uh, on the That's the right. king. The king ones, uh, and been because you have so much more freedom when you're lower on the list of of uh, picking stuff. I mean, maybe it won't be as bloodthirsty this time because there's not like people with carryover vetoes and veto overrides, and you know you're not entering this with everybody yeah. armed to the gills. But uh, uh, but uh, I think Scott got uh, got out light. I think on on him him uh, being very dominant in the lower part of the uh, the order. Yeah, Scott Scott in that draft uh, kind of got to cut the brakes and then sit back and watch everybody else scramble. <laughs> I always, I always the dominate road. the back door. <laughs> oh, geez. Ah, oh, Scott. Where are you going? Best B. Sorry. I sucked and spit in the wrong pipe and cough. Oh, jeez. Oh, it's like the joke. Scott, you want to follow up for that or? Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm not going to push I'm my luck. Dying over here. It's fine. <clears throat> uh, so what we're going to do, so Eric, I'll let Eric recover here. What uh, What's going to happen here is that Eric is going to be me. He is going to be the primary commissioner for this draft. Ryan and I will be sending our picks to Eric. He will announce them, uh, and then we will talk about them and decide if we are going to veto the other person's picks, etc. Scott is going to be mm-hmm. the co-commissioner slash color commentator, the role on yeah. our show filled by Ryan. Uh, and after the the picks have been made and discussed, he gets the final word uh, on what he thinks of that pick and its placement in the overall list and any uh, points of discussion that have preceded uh, and this isn't this is an interesting one, Ryan, because uh, you'd think, you know, oh, cameos, this will be sort of like a, you know, how much can we say about Stephen King showing up on screen for six seconds and saying one thing? But there's <laughs> yeah. actually there's an interesting, I think, evolution to this. Uh, and there are different types of cameos and some things that I think don't even really qualify as cameos. Uh, so we might run into some 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 issues there, but he's Ooh, got yeah. interesting. He's got unseen voice appearances. He's got cartoon appearances. He's got one line yeah. things. He's got whole scenes. I mean, and you can yeah. really watch the different types of uh, characters he plays. Uh, mm-hmm. You may can maybe even track, uh, you know, the 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 evolution of his skill as a performer across these things, you know, because we're looking at now we've got like 40 years yeah. of of acting work from this man uh now quote unquote yes yes <laughs> uh yeah no we we might run into a situation where i need to call a sidebar with scott and determine what's a cameo and what's an actual just role right well uh, yeah like well yeah let's let's cross that bridge when we come to it yeah but I'm we'll see yeah we'll, we'll see all right. So, Clay, do you want to send me your first I pick? will. Yes. Yeah. So I will start us off here. Oh, boy. This is actually not easy. How do I want to start this at the bottom? OK, I have. OK, I am typing it in, sending it to Eric. It's making its way through the Internet. Through the Internet tubes. <laughs> OK, so in the first pick of this draft, number seven, <laughs> we have... A very interesting choice, I think, from from Clay here. One that might be King's the the first time, and a lot of our listeners have actually noted who the fuck is this guy. And that is, of course, Stephen King's appearance on The Simpsons. 
So, Mr. King, what tale of horror and the macabre are you working on now? Oh, I don't feel like writing horror right now. Oh, that's too bad. I'm working on a biography of Benjamin Franklin. He's a fascinating man. He discovered electricity and used it to torture small animals and green mountain men. And that key he tied to the end of a kite... It opened the gates of hell! Well, let me know when you get back to horror. Will do. Yeah, Stephen King on The Simpsons... Uh, I, I did this for a couple of reasons. It's brief. Uh, basically, the scene is that Marge uh, comes across Stephen King at a book signing uh, and asks him, you know, what what terrifying thing he's doing next. And he says, I'm not doing horror anymore. I'm, I'm writing a biography of Benjamin Franklin. And then he goes to on to describe the things that happen uh, in the Benjamin Franklin book, including the lightning bolt opening a gate to hell. Uh, <laughs> and it's, and it's, it's brief. Um, it ends with a really funny bit where Marge is like, well, let, you know, let me know when you get back to horror. And he writes himself a note to call Marge when he starts writing <laughs> horror. Again. Um, uh, and so, you know, it's, 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 there have been obviously more substantial Simpsons cameos, but I think it's important to have this one on here because I mean, that is that's the crown jewel of cameos that is being playing yourself on The Simpsons has yeah. is sort of a rite of passage for celebrities for the last half century, uh, you know, well, almost half century, quarter century, you know, last third century. Um, so, yeah. So even though this one is not, you know, if we were doing a list of Simpsons cameos, I don't know how high this one would rank. Um it uh, uh, it's you know it's well voice acted. It's funny. It's a good bit. It plays with his uh, persona quite nicely. And yeah, I think if you do a Simpsons cameo, it's got to be somewhere on this list because, like I said, that is that's the that's the brass ring. That's 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 the great the great cameo uh, aggregator is the Simpsons. Ryan, do you have any thoughts, comments? Do you just hate the Simpsons and want oh, want no, it off this no, list? No. Uh, to- I'm totally fine with this. I definitely agree. I feel like uh, cameo in the Simpsons was sort of like, you know, getting on Carson as a comedian when, you know, in the seventies or eighties. And, uh, yeah, I feel like this, this works. I don't remember this cameo to be honest. Uh, the only King reference I remember from the Simpsons is the itchy and scratchy episode where they recreated misery, uh, <laughs> between the two of them. And that was fun, <laughs> but I don't really remember this. I'll have to look this up, but, uh, mm. yeah. What season was this, Clay? Do you remember or no? I I just watched this, like rewatched the scene on YouTube. So no, I don't. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember the season. It was. I mean, when was I watching the Simpsons? I mean, who knows? It could have been. There's, there's a thousand so many. Simpsons episodes. Yeah, anyway. yeah I remember. I remember more the 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 Simpsons Stephen King thing. I remember the most is they have the the one part. It might have been during a Treehouse of of uh, terror horror. I always fuck that up. It's it might, it might've been one of those where it opens, but with, instead of uh, uh, Bart writing on the blackboard, it's Stephen King writing on the blackboard. And he turns ah. and does like a, a dramatic, like lightning flashes and it's low angle shot and all that, that, but I don't think he speaks in that. Uh, but yeah, I, as you were describing the scene, it like rang a bell in my mind, but, uh, but it wasn't the first thing that jumped, jumped to my mind. What about you, Scott? Did you remember this moment? Um, I, I remember it once it was being described. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I wouldn't have been able to. I don't think I would have been able to describe the scene just cold. You know, I know. I, but I'm aware that he's been on The Simpsons. My my prevailing thought on this is that it's a really unique pick, I think, uh, compared to what I was sort of expecting out of this draft uh, to begin mm-hmm. with. 
And yeah. my one note would be it might need to be higher. But, you know, let's see what uh, how the rest of this turns out. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, this is something we discussed, uh, I think, off mic before we started recording, where it was it's really interesting because King has been associated with a lot of his own stuff. And he's also done a lot of really random just out there. I'm a famous personality, Stephen King. And of course, I'm going to make an appearance on this show that I love or whatever. Uh, so you uh, yeah, there, there's going to be a possibility of variety, I think, here. Um, For sure. All right. Do we just want right. to? Well, well that's it. number seven. I, yeah. I, so that's the number seven. I'm. Um, oh, this is <laughs> this is genuinely uh, difficult. I've got I've got my pick number six typed in. Okay. And I'm like a you know like Scott just said maybe he thought the Simpsons one should be higher. I mean that's that's you know, like we're, and I don't necessarily disagree because of the, uh, you know, importance of the 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 venue the simpsons is obviously yes. this iconic this iconic venue um but again yeah we're looking at length of cameo we're looking at how much the thing pops i'm looking for variety on this list um and this one i'm going to send you i think i don't know i think it has to be lower on the list just because it is extremely brief but it is mm-hmm. one of the more memorable uh, mm. Okay. It is one of the more when I, when I pitched this topic, this one I'm playing at number six is the first thing I thought of. Oh, okay. Very exciting. Let's see. I have sent it over. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So Clay's pick for number six. <laughs> uh, it's another Stephen King appearance in something that he had fuck all to do with, uh, but it is one of. Uh, his early appearances in George A. Romero's Night Riders as the character affectionately known as Hoagie Man. Once courageous knights roamed the land, searching for adventure, ready to brave any challenge. Night Riders. Tell the people about Night Riders, Clay. This is this is really fun. Knight Riders is a completely bonkers movie. I think Ryan did a trivia question about it on the Stephen King draft, and yep. and um, several people were not familiar with it. If you're not familiar with Knight Riders, do yourself a favor and check this out. It's a George Romero movie. Uh, it's not horror. Um, it is set in, in in Pennsylvania, of course, but it is about <laughs> this. They are motorcycle. It's it's a it's a band of Renaissance motorcycle jousters. um and it is it's ed harris is the lead um tom savini like the um sometimes actor uh uh, but like um you know makeup artist master gore master tom savini plays the villain uh and it's this incredible i don't know dramedy with a little with a few action scenes about yeah these motorcycle jousters who uh, uh, you know, and any anyway, I don't even know how to describe this fucking movie, but <laughs> it's 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 bizarre. And uh, whether or not Ryan thinks this should be on the list, he will back me up that this is a must see movie. Um, uh, early on, uh, there's there's an example, you know, there's an example of this motorcycle jousting. It's there's like a Renaissance fair. There's a gathered crowd, and we've got 
uh, characters with big old, you know, dressed in like knight armor with big old j- jousting uh, rods oh. or swords. I don't know. Was it jousting sword? Sticks. Big old like jousting stick. Yeah. Driving each other with motorcycles and knocking each other off. And in this crowd, there is a, again, Stephen King has a couple of modes he does. One of his favorite modes is like cartoonish redneck. And <laughs> we've got a cartoon redneck. He just, his he's like, got like stubble he's not wearing glasses it's early 80s so he's still got like the big um like unibrow mm-hmm, he's got yeah. this like trucker's cap on and he is just absolutely demolishing like a wet sloppy hoagie sandwich <laughs> and talking is and and i had to watch the clip i mean when i saw this movie i was like holy shit is that stephen king and and when I rewatched it today, I had to watch the clip four times to understand what he was saying because so much uh, like tomato and loose meat is falling out of his mouth. Um, but he's basically saying like it's this this is like wrestling, you know. They've got fake blood packs. He's he's criticizing uh, what's you know what he's watching and 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 calling it fake. But it is um, it is so sloppy and so cartoonish. And I really do. I think it sets the tone. I mean, uh, with without this uh, incredibly memorable one line performance, I don't know if we get uh, his leading role in Creepshow uh, with with George Romero. So I think this one's important. It's one of the great. Holy wait a minute. Is that, you know, blank Mm -hmm. cameos of all time and uh, fully committed to playing hoagie man. Uh, Just, it's absolutely disgusting. Uh, So that's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be here somewhere. Honestly, I could see it anywhere on the list. Um, Going into this, I was like, well, hoagie man is number one, obviously. Um, But then I watched a bunch of these and I, I honestly, I think there's a few times where he plays a a more fleshed out part uh, in a better scene. So I Mm -hmm. I put it here because it's gotta be, it's gotta be somewhere. Yeah. yeah, I I I have no uh, quarrel with the uh, this one's mm. placement on the list. I think this is it absolutely deserves to be on here. Um, I'm delighted that it's on here. And um, I don't know if this had come in at number two, I wouldn't object to it either. I'm just happy it's here. Yeah, it's also worth noting that uh, Tabitha King is also in this scene, too. So you get a, a right. King Trooper. So, yeah. In all of her eighty early eighties perm glory, uh, Tabby King to gets to to make an appearance with uh, with Stephen. Uh, so Ryan, do you do you agree with this being on the list, or do you think it should be higher? Are you ready and willing to use a veto? To- I'm not going to use a veto. No, okay. I mean it's fine. I feel like you know it could, it could definitely be number one, but it's not. It's there's there's plenty of possible number ones, uh, but it's definitely a must see. I think in terms of. Stephen King on screen. Yes, I love Tabitha. She's like fully permed out, got a lot of makeup on, a dress, <laughs> and standing, s- sitting next to Stephen King, who just looks like a homeless man. It's incredible. <laughs> he looks awful. He looks, I mean, the fakest beard you've ever seen. It's so funny. Anyway, uh, yeah, love this pick. Love this movie. This is a, this is a good pick here. Nice. Well, guess what, Ryan? That means that uh, that you're up. We have so far the list, The Simpsons at number seven, Knight Rider's Hoagie Man, number six, and now you get to choose number five. I just sent. Oh, that requires me to click a different tab. Let me see. <laughs> Here we go. It's a bit of an oh, unconventional pick. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> okay. Okay, Ryan, I see what you're doing here. Interesting. So this is neither a feature film or a miniseries. Ryan's pick for number five is a 1995 episode of Jeopardy. (laughs) (laughs) Now entering the studio are today's celebrity contestants. From the X-Files, he's the brilliant FBI paranormal investigator, Fox Mulder, David Duchovny. An international star who sparkles on stage, screen, and television, Lynn Redgrave. A stellar name in bookstores and at the box office, the world's best-selling author, Stephen King. And now, here is the host of Jeopardy, Alex Trebek. Uh, explain yourself, Ryan. What's, what's, what's well, this is, <laughs> I'm a big junk, uh, junkie of, of, of Jeopardy. And this is a classic episode from my youth. Uh, it's, it was a celebrity Jeopardy 1995. Um, it was Stephen King versus Lynn Redgrave versus David Duchovny. And it is an incredible, incredible performance by, by Mr. King who quietly, I mean, lit, it's one of the great meltdowns too on Je- Jeopardy. Lynn uh, Redgrave just doesn't know how to click. She freaks out. She's a mess. She has a meltdown in between, honestly, two giants. I mean, these are Duchovny's super smart. And it's basically Duchovny versus King. And King is in second place for almost the entire game. And then they get the final Jeopardy. And King fucking just takes it out. I mean, it's incredible. He's the only one who gets the answer right. He doubles his final Jeopardy amount and wins the fucking game and beats Duchovny by like 100 points. It's incredible. <laughs> I've and seen he does it. it so smooth, so cool. Lynn is freaking the fuck out. I mean, she ends up with like minus $200. I guess. <laughs> Crazy. But honestly, he's so giving and he like comforts her and he hugs her. He, he clearly sees she's going through something. Uh, <laughs> he's cool as a cucumber. I mean, it's fantastic. And I'll never forget it because I just have always thought of him as the goofy cameo in all of these movies or the great horror writer. But here, he, right. I mean, he nails food. He nailed the Bible. Like he, he fucking, he knew all of his shit. It was incredible. even got potpourri, right? <laughs> I love he that you're expressing. Potpourri. I love that you're expressing awe. He, he nailed food. Like <laughs> this man has had Bible. food before. <laughs> I'm not surprised that hoagie man nailed the food. Category. <laughs> totally, totally. But he also got like ballet. Like it's incredible what he has uh, up, up in that noggin of his. I'm I'm just I'm happy if this gets to be on this list somewhere. I put it here at five just simply because I thought, okay, it's not technically a cameo. It's not technically a performance, but mm. man, oh man, it's masterful. If you, it's on mm. YouTube. So if you want to watch this, yeah. by all means, go for it. Yeah, I guess this is the first time where we have to address like how loose are we going to be with the definition of Stephen King cameo here? Is it just public uh you know is it just an appearance because this then this is like a a 20 plus minute game show so it's it's you know is it fair to hold jeopardy uh up to a a 10 second cameo in a in one of his let me just say this one last one last defense the the show is really three peoples i mean it's alex trebek who's fucking hilarious throughout the entire thing Uh it's lynn who's the star i mean you're all everybody's eyes are on lynn and then there's hot fucking david duchovny who's making all these great jokes about like he's so suave and cool and so in a weird way stephen king is making a cameo here that's 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 how i would defend this Mm. 
Wow, what a creative defense. I, I This sounds like an incredible uh, piece of television. I'm a little bit torn, but Eric, I will leave it up. So what we do on our show is if something is played that... Uh, you know, stretches the boundary or perhaps exists outside the boundary of the eligibility we've discussed. It goes to the commissioners. Mm -hmm. uh, and if they agree that it does not fit the parameters, they can strike it. There's no penalty. Uh, the person who played it just has to get a, you know, submit a new pick. Uh, but I think, yeah, Eric, I think this might be time for you and Scott to yeah. have a quick commissioner's discussion uh, in terms of eligibility for this one. Yeah, Scott, uh, what do you think? I'm I'm thinking that we should... It's probably a little bit too far out outside the bounds of cameos for me. I, I I'm very torn here um, because on the one hand, no, it's not a cameo. Um, on the other hand, I it, like it brings me such joy that that this was brought up on the show and that <laughs> and, um, that Ryan is pleading the. Um, I mean, admittedly bullshit case that this is a cameo. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's by no stretch of the, the definition is this a cameo. Um, but uh, I really like it being here. So I don't want to strike it. So uh -huh. um, yeah, I'm, I'm refusing to play by our own rules. Scott, I love you. That's incredible. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm so happy. So now what happens? Well, guess what? I'm striking. No, I, I don't. I don't give a shit enough. Let's do this. Jeopardy's watching the number five. Jeopardy. Well, now I'm like. Ugh. I mean, Eric. Essentially, both commissioners have to agree by the rules. Okay, yeah, they have to agree for a commissioner. Override. Override. Yeah, maybe on your show, Scott. Absolutely embracing his <laughs> Scott. Scott absolutely <laughs> embracing his role as as the Ryan here. Uh, by just uh, following his own whims uh, and making up the rules as he uh, as he goes, yes. well, to you know, himself. You, you know, Clay, that you know, since the commissioners didn't override it, you got a veto if you don't. Well, know I know this is what I'm thinking about now. Is <sighs> do I save? Like, there's nothing. So, I mean, I didn't even consider uh, Jeopardy. This sound, like I said, this sounds like a lot of fun. No, no one in their right mind. But I'm looking. <laughs> Like there's a couple of things I really want on the list, but there's nothing that I really want off. There's nothing that I'm like, oh god, there's no way I'm letting that on this list of Stephen <laughs> King cameos. <laughs> right, right. But there are like two or three things that I really want on here, and I've only got now two picks left. Clay, just let me have this for fuck's sake. <laughs> let me have one thing, one or, joy. Or Ryan's gonna play it at number one just to spite you. That's All it. right, Ryan, I'll let you have. As you put true, it, this, I could play this, this higher. I'll let you have this one joy. Um, <laughs> but this may lead to a more painful veto up the road. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'll I'll let you I'll let you I'll let you uh I'm starting to I'm it. starting to hear all the voices of uh, of all the people that have been in my Twitter feed <laughs> since our episode aired going, Why don't people fucking use their fucking tools at their disposal? Uh, yeah, Nobody's so afraid to use their their tools. It's true. And, and they're yelling at me, and I'm like, buddy, I, I use both of my vetoes. I tried. Motherfucker. All right, so, Clay, pick number four. Yes. What do you All got right. for me? I am typing it in here. This is pick number... Ooh, we're into four already here. Yeah. Uh, as you're is... doing that, the, the list as it stands is number seven, The Simpsons, number six, Knight Riders, number five, Jeopardy, and number four shall be... I dot, dot, dot. And I think this will be 
This will be controversial. I think it'll bring up a point of controversy that doesn't necessarily relate to this cameo. Mm. But we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Okay, I see what your 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 wh- where you think the discussion is going to have to go here. So there are two very notable Stephen King appearances in uh, two a pair of anthologies that he uh, created. One of them is Creepshow, where he plays Jordy Verrill, and the other one is is a uh, is Creepshow Two, where he plays a truck driver. Clay's pick is Creepshow Two over Creepshow One, and I'm and I'm going to let you make the case, but I'm going to guess it's because one is a cameo, a real true cameo, and the other one isn't. Is that what you're thinking is here? That is basically it, Eric. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, Creepshow, one, that, I mean, look, that's a performance that is worthy of discussion. But oh, it yeah. is, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's he's got a full, one, is it a cameo if you have a full first name, last name character? Who's, no. who's to say? But he's, yeah, he's Jody Verrill. He's the lead. He is the lead of that segment. So I really don't think... He's the title character of that segment. Exactly. So I don't think that is eligible for this. Now, in terms of Creepshow 2, um, this is a movie I have not seen. I watched this scene (laughs) out of context. Um, But uh, look, I wanted to get uh, at least one more kind of blue-collar redneck Stephen King character Right. on this list. Um, I thought it'd be good to have a creep show. And this is, even though this is a, this is a short scene, basically um, uh, the lead character, there's a, there's a guy dead in the middle of the road. Um, people have pulled over to sort of gawk. Someone's trying to call the police and Stephen King pulls up. He's like a long haul trucker. Uh, there's a few things that are notable about this one, even though he's, he's got maybe, maybe four lines or something like that, four or five lines. Um, it's one of the most, kind of natural and convincing performances of all these cameos that I watched. He feels really in the pocket in this scene, but also of all the ones I watched, uh, you don't really get much, uh, much, much cursing out of Stephen King. And this one is great. He opens the door and jumps out and is like, what the fuck happened? (laughs) Hey buddy. What the fuck happened? Looks like a hit and run. Yeah. Car blew by me a little while ago. Couldn't see the lights. Don't know what the hell it was. Looks like a black guy, huh? And it's a great line delivery, and and his whole character is this very sort of blasé. He's like, "What the fuck happened?" And then he just starts talking uh, as if you know the, the 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 final line of this scene is he's like, "Someone's like, what happened?" He's like, "Oh, you know, guy got hit. Happens all the time." He's very um, unbothered by this uh, and you buy it. I buy this dude. I feel like this is a real trucker uh, who has very little uh, empathy. Uh, he, uh, you know, has that great line. What the fuck happened? He pulls out like a road, a, a road flare. It's a good bit of action. And yeah, I think it's a natural performance and it's cameos are hard mm. for anybody really, because you're being asked to, jump in and deliver sort of a memorable performance uh, in three lines or two lines or one line, mm. um, especially for someone who's a non-actor. And I think um, some of these cameos, you can tell that he is uncomfortable or he's unsure of his character or he's, you know, just kind of, you know, you know, playing it up too much, really going crazy. 
I thought this was a good performance. The line delivery made me laugh. Uh, he adds great texture to that scene. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's it's successful. So um, one of my favorite of his blue collar slash redneck guys is mm-hmm. this this truck driver in Creepshow 2. So I wanted I wanted to see this on the list. Um, but again, for my last pick, I have something a little more substantial kind of earmarked. So this is this is where I wanted to put this. Uh, I don't disagree with anything you just said, and I I, I do think that uh, when you're looking at the Creepshow appearances, Jordy Verrill's hard to top in terms of iconography, but it's a full-fledged role. That's not, that's, that's, that's not a cameo. Uh, but then again, who fucking can tell Jeopardy isn't a cameo either, and it's on the list. So I guess we'll <laughs> see how, how, uh, uh, how we go for the rest of this. But, uh, but Ryan, what, what are your thoughts here on... Um, I'm not, I'm not going to veto this. I haven't seen creep shows two since I was a kid and I don't really remember this. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to veto this. I love anytime there's a truck driver in a Stephen King movie. Uh, the fact that it's him, uh, that's great. I love yeah, he, yeah. He does play various like truck drivers, bus drivers. He likes to be yeah, like a yeah. guy with a job, but right. I love that. There's like five YouTube compilations of Stephen King cameos. The only research you did for this was you watched a whole episode of Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. I watched other things, but I definitely like just got caught up in full movies instead of uh, just just YouTube. You're right. You're right. But I, I will check this out. I, I haven't seen this in a long time. So look at that. It's so copacetic so far. Um, so far, so that- good. All right, Ryan, All right. it's, it's yes. on you, man. You're, you're okay. pick number three. The oh, Simpsons, number go. seven. Knight Riders, number six. Jeopardy, five. The Creep Show, two, number four. Sorry. And the number three pick. This next one is um, was also on your list. So there's a bit of overlap with uh, the Screen Draft's final list here. Ah. Mm. Maybe a little st- stamp of approval. Yeah, so far we don't Our have... Commissioner today. So far, we don't have anything from a king. Did he write Creepshow 2 or is he just? He did. It? He did. He did. Yeah, okay, he so we have one thing he's appearing yeah, in. It, it took half of the list is going to be shit that he had nothing to do with. Um, <laughs> right. But if Ryan gets his way, then number three will be all king all the time. Not only is this one of it, it would be my choice for one number one or two personally, Um not only is it uh, that, it is also, I think, one of my favorite just bits of Stephen King, anything he's ever done. And I am, of course, talking about his cameo in his directorial debut and still <laughs> debut, Maximum Overdrive, uh, where he is looking at an ATM and the ATM calls him an asshole and he calls his wife over, goes, sugar buns. I think this machine just called me an asshole. Honey. Come on over here, sugar buns. This machine just called me an asshole. (laughs) Perfect perfect opening thing. And perfect Stephen King in. Uh, I am very happy that this is uh, here. Uh, I might even have demanded it being higher. uh, But uh, but I'm glad that it has been played. So, Ryan... Do you need any it, need to say anything else to make your case on this? Uh, you know, no, I, I think that that would be fine. I mean, if Clay wanted to veto me to move this higher, I wouldn't, of course, uh, you know, object. Um, but I definitely wanted to make sure that it was on the list. So that that's part of what I'm thinking here um, is just getting it on. And who knows what happens from here on out. 
but yeah, of course, I just feel like there's cameos and then there's this. I mean, this is his movie that he directed and he opens it with him and it's a fuck. It's his full fucking face. Yeah. <laughs> so it's from the ATM's point of view is staring <laughs> at Stephen King's big face in that in that scene. And I just think it's such a bonkers opening, such a bonkers great joke for such an insane movie. So I just think like, again, it's got to be on this list somewhere. Doesn't he have those clip on fucking sunglasses too that he raises? <laughs> well chosen, Ryan. I'm, I think we're all in agreement that Maximum Overdrive on this list is good news. Uh, no veto from Clay. Not no. Oh well. Well, if you want to push it up further, you speak so. St- don't don't be too hasty. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I here's the thing about vetoing it to push it higher. Uh, obviously Ryan did not. He is the number one pick. Um, mm-hmm. and, and he played this at three for a reason. Uh, generally on screen drafts, if you veto something to move it higher it kind of becomes your responsibility to make sure it gets on Mm. the list. The person who initially played it, played it at that spot for a reason. Um, And I have other stuff I want in this list and I don't really want to be responsible for this. So I'm Mm. not going to veto it. I agree. It could be up higher. Obviously this one follows in the great tradition, the very Hitchcockian tradition Mm. of placing yourself in the movie. Um, so I, I find that very charming. Uh, again, yeah, funny performance, great little bit for the opening of the film, uh, and uh, yeah, and I, I, and something that I like about Stephen King is he he does not seem to be he doesn't seem to have a lot of um, you know preciousness about his image. He likes to put in things where he's kind of taken taking the piss out of himself, you mm-hmm. know, uh, either playing someone disgusting or someone who is being insulted or like this, you know, being called an asshole. And there's something funny about that sort of uh, right. very, you know, self-aware, self-referential kind of, um, uh, uh, you know, playing the character who's getting taken down a peg. Uh, so I right. think that that's, that's fun. Glad it's on the list. Needs to be here, uh, but I will decline to veto. Uh, okay. I, I think we've got other other things to, to get in the right, top. Yes. We, we got, we got two, two more slots, Scott, before we move on to this, your thoughts on maximum overdrive, making I lists. Think, is this I too agree. low I, for you? I, yeah, I agree with what you were saying earlier. I think this would have been my pick for number one, but mm-hmm. you know, uh, I don't know how, I, how upset I am about it. Will be determined by what the next two <laughs> picks are. I think, you know, his appearance on family feud. Listen, when he went on Regis and Kelly in 1999. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, Ryan's going to be like, I had thing- a dream with Stephen King in it. And, <laughs> Uh, you know i the thing about maximum overdrive is that not his face is on the fucking poster for for the movie he was the star of the trailer he introduces the the footage and the trailer it's very hitchcockian all the way around he 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 like just this is his movie through and through warts and all uh it is 100 percent his identity and the fact that he has this the giant nuts to go not only am i going to do this as a first-time filmmaker and i'm going to direct it and i'm going to be in all the promotional materials motherfucker <laughs> i'm in the first three minutes of the movie to deal with it bam you know just just gotta love it. it's like fuck it i'm doing this this is probably the only time i'm gonna have this opportunity and he fucking runs with it love it love it all right so number two clay this is your final choice. This is so. my final pick on the list. Yeah, I did send it. Did you? Get Great, it? I did. I did get it. So, um, 
if maximum overdrive was my number one, this is my number two. So I'm really happy you sent this along. This is uh, for a film that Stephen King wrote, but is one of the rare movies that is not based on one of his books. We are, of course, talking about his very memorable appearance as the cemetery caretaker in Mick Garris's Sleepwalkers. Vito. (laughs) All right, Ryan. Right away. Is this is this this is this is it, man. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, so vetoed. All right. Screen drafts etiquette for first time listeners yeah. is that, uh, you let someone make their case unless you are a thousand percent <laughs> moving that up the list. And we'll talk about it in a, mm. in a little while. Right. Um, so, so Ryan, uh, has vetoed it right off the bat. Yes. That means I need to come up <laughs> with something else. <laughs> okay. He had barely finished talking. He's veto. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, which makes me happy because if that if that means that's number one, then I'm going to be a very happy person. So uh, I look. I'm. uh, That's probably my personal. I mean, I played it at number two because it's really my number one. So if we're all on board here, that Mm -hmm. uh, uh, makes me happy. Okay. All right. Send well, along okay, your so, but that, now that means that Ryan is out of vetoes. So whatever I play here at number two is locked in. But I, you know, that was my number one. So I'm kind of out of. I'm kind of <laughs> out of. Uh, now I'm torn. Mm. <laughs> I'm fucking torn. I feel like there's a few iconic ones that, like, you should <sighs> consider. Here's the thing about that, Ryan. You're talking about iconic ones. Like I said, I experienced a lot of these for the first time right watching uh, them as clips out of context sure sure so like the you know iconography doesn't mean as much to me as just kind of looking at these things as isolated mm. moments i can say that there's one that's memed a whole lot um yes from a very recent one in which he may be sitting there drinking well a okay yeah no i yeah yes I'm torn. I'm torn. I'm torn. I'm torn. Um, yeah, but go with your heart. Don't go with what the internet says is popular. You know. I know. Um, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm gonna, Clay. I will. I. I've, I'm going to send it. I sent it. <sighs> I will mention the other one if when we do uh, discards. Hmm. Because uh, I'm. Oh, this was really a total toss up. Hmm. I have a reason for picking this one. All right. So it seems like Clay is going with the internet meme sensation that is, of course, Stephen King in his little appearance in It Chapter 2, where he is the shop owner drinking out of the little sippy cup with his little little straw and uh, surrounded it. by... Yeah, and surrounded by relics from his uh, from his work, including, I believe, a Christine license plate. Can I help you? Uh, yeah, I want to see about the... Baseball card, the bowling ball, the banjo, beaver, fucking bike. If you want to use that kind of language, take it out in the street. It chapter two, a film I have not seen uh, because I really didn't like it. Chapter one. Uh, sorry, Eric. Um, this so I did not see this movie. Uh, 
so I watched the scene this morning. It's basically a scene, and I didn't even realize, again, I am such a king neophyte. I didn't even realize that he was surrounded by larger, mm-hmm. uh, you know, king universe ephemera in this shop. That only makes me feel better about picking this. Um, basically, it's a scene where uh, uh, James McAvoy uh, comes into this shop. He sees a bicycle um, mm-hmm. that he had had in his in his youth. And he's uh, negotiating with this shopkeeper played by Stephen King to buy this bicycle. Uh, and, I, and I picked this for a few reasons. Um, one, it, it gives us a chance to have on this list a real breadth. Uh, we have his first cameo, as far as I can tell, playing Hoagie Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 40 years later, we have him now in his 70s uh, uh, playing a part in probably the biggest budget Stephen King thing that has happened and maybe will ever happen in Hollywood in his lifetime. This is, this is the, the fucking apex of um, his Hollywood uh, career here in it. Chapter two, this built up to be this gigantic, gigantic studio temple. Um, And he gives a nice performance. You know, it's it's a lower key thing. He's not hamming it up, really. Uh, he's not putting on a crazy voice. He kind of he sounds like himself, um, but he's bringing a real character to it. He's kind of he's a, he's a little bit uh, cynical, a little bit sarcastic. Uh, he has a great self referential line talking to James McAvoy, uh, talking about the price of the bicycle. And he's like, well, you're the, you're the big author. You can afford it. Mm-hmm. Um uh, it's great. It's 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 and it's he's interacting with, you know, he puts in these characters in his things that are he puts in a lot of writers, you know, in his in his yeah. stories. And it's fun to have this scene where he's interacting with one of these avatars uh, and kind of throwing some jabs, doing a little back and forth. But again, brings great texture to this scene. Uh, he's got he's got a character, um, but a subtle character. And uh, yeah, and it's it's nice. It feels like a nice culmination of not only his you know movies adapted from his work but of his this thing he loves to do where he a- appears in these little parts and i feel like this is one of the better performances uh and uh yeah and it's a nice little a nice little capper i think you know he'll we'll see more ca- cameos from him in the next few years i'm sure but um if this was the last one it would feel like a fitting uh end uh, right. to this to this trend uh that 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 he's been enjoying so um Maybe a, it's maybe a spot or two higher than I would have had it, but I think it fits comfortably here at number two. I I'm I, f- I feel good about it. Uh, Ryan, you don't really have a veto here, but but I want to. I'm curious your opinion. What are you happy that uh, that it is here and Sleepwalkers is not? Um, I'll be honest. I haven't. I I gotta get around and watching these movies. I've heard about them for years, and I love a fucking like modern day remake that everybody hates. But um. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally interested in this and I will get around to watching these, but I haven't seen these movies. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very curious about them, especially cause I was going to, when we were talking about what like good entry books, I feel like it, I read that a few years ago again mm-hmm. and I was like, this is a fucking great, great novel. Like even when you know everything, yeah. I feel like it makes that book that much more rich and, and, and resonant. Um, so I'm definitely very interested in watching this movie now. I, especially after the conversation from your episode as well as, uh, this one. So yeah. And, uh, yeah, Stephen King acting with professor X. I mean, absolutely. I'm totally down. <laughs> you, uh, want me to sign it for you? Nah, I didn't like the ending. 
Scott, your your thoughts, your thoughts on um, yeah, I think this is. I, a good I know one. that you don't like the movie, but in terms of like cameos, I I think that this this one probably yeah. deserves a spot on the list. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and especially for uh, you know, its its status as a meme, I think makes it uh, one of the more prominent ones. It it, it deserves to get some recognition on this on this mm-hmm. list, right? Cool. And it's also worth noting he throws a lot of uh, his main. Uh, isms into this character, which is also a good hallmark of a good King cameo. Like the more thick his accent is uh, his main accent that he allows it to be the, uh, the happier I am as a viewer. So, (laughs) so uh, I guess that just leaves number one. Yeah. So Ryan, do you want to send it over? (laughs) I have a feeling like we maybe know what it is, but let's, let's see. You might be, he was not the rain in Shawshank Redemption. Sorry. <laughs> right. I, I might be the devil in needful things right now and play something completely different. <laughs> you could. Uh, but that would just drive Clay crazy. So Yeah, don't you um, don't you dare. I, I wouldn't dare. I just want to say, while this is sending in, in the next three minutes, um, <laughs> the charity from that Jeopardy episode that Stephen King is playing for <laughs> is it's so charming. He is playing for the the Banger Public Library, which he says has fallen on hard times, and they're trying to keep it afloat. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's it's wild. Like if you we went out there and did a, a big live show in in Bangor a few years ago, and went on a uh, like a guided Stephen King tour. Shout out to our friends at SK Tours uh, up in Bangor. Um, they you know, that part of that tour goes by the library and it is, it's huge, you know, and beautiful. And, and, you know, they told us that like, yeah, the, the basically like, um, Stephen and Tabitha King were, were directly responsible for getting, I think it was like, uh, an overhaul done to the steps and like a new thing added onto it. What do you remember the details there? Yeah. But it was like a new wing and, yeah, and it's just like multi millions and millions of dollars over the years have gone into just the library alone. But as you take that tour, it's like everything you pass is like, oh yeah, that swimming pool that was built by the Kings, and you know, as part of this rec center. Yeah, you know, then Little over League here, the field. first Ronald McDonald House in Maine was was you know was built over here, and and that was all because of Stephen and Tabitha, and and it's like they just pretty much. Everything that's crumbling in Bangor at some point, they get they right. <laughs> turned up and said, "Guess what? We'll fix it for you." Right? Is there a Jeopardy wing? They'll just label it. This is. <laughs> I don't know. We need to go in next time. We're this there. is the wing that Jeopardy yeah. paid for. All right. So, okay. number one spot, unless yep. uh, Clay vetoes, because Clay has a veto. I do. Um, this is it's a really crazy pick. Uh, no, it's not. It's Sleepwalkers. Yeah. It's what we fucking had <laughs> talked about before, and uh, I am going to preface this by just quickly saying that. In terms of character, this is, I think, probably the best character that King crafts out of one of his cameos. And it's just <laughs> so fucking funny as he becomes the 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 through line to all the other cameos yeah. in the scene. That it, So it's a scene about cameos with King bringing you to each and every new cameo person by being a cemetery caretaker who is really, really concerned about being blamed for the shit that just went down. <laughs> hey, buddy. Buddy, I ain't taking the rap on this. I lock this place up every night. It's not my fault if every pervert, weirdo, well, don't talk horny... To me. Go talk to someone in charge. I'm busy. Buddy. Yeah? Listen, 
It's not my fault if every horny kid and weirdo pervert comes in here. I lock this place up. I don't need this action. Okay, don't talk to me. Talk to the sheriff. Sheriff, hey. Not now. Ryan, please, uh, why did you fight for this to be number it's also, one? It's also a bit. I feel like a great cameo. It's got to be like fashioned in some way like with maximum overdrive it opens the movie and it is a bit but this is a bit bit like where he's going from various it's literally like a three-point joke that ends up at the sheriff and it's just so fucking funny and i also want to say that i think a great cameo especially a funny one like he is used to giving it really pops and it really works when it's in a scary movie like, and I definitely think Sleepwalkers for me is, I mean, it's one of the movies that I, I'm, I'm most sad about in terms of your list that it didn't make it on <laughs> because I just 100%. Think, I just think that it's such an underrated movie um, and it's so Kingian. I think it's, it feels more Kingian than a lot of the other movies of that time that are maybe more acclaimed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think it's so good. Match and Amic is so great in this. She's one of the, most beautiful awesome like women who's also really dumb in this movie i mean some of the moves you're just like jesus christ what are you doing yeah like, how did you like i love she almost gets like attacked killed and raped by this guy in a cemetery she hits him over the head with something and he's unconscious and instead of running she literally like goes toward him as if she's still her boyfriend yeah. And he's turned into a vampire. Like, it's unbelievable. That Excuse said, me. This movie uh, just, he is not a vampire. He is a cat. He's person. a sleepwalker. That's right. Yes. Um, but it's vampiric. You know, regardless, this movie is, is, okay. is fucking awesome. It is just awesome. From the opening arrow shots, of course, which are iconic, to the closing <laughs> ending of this movie, which I just actually think is so fucking good with all the cats and shit. Like, yeah. they just, this movie builds and it's got some great performances in it. I mean, Alice Krieg is just so, so good. I mean, really, she just she's terrifying in this movie, yeah. I think. Uh, her parents are great. And then, yeah, like I said, you know, Stephen King plays this cemetery guy who just wants to bitch. He's just one of those guys who wants to bitch about what happened in his cemetery the night before. And, you know, no one wants to hear it. It's just the best joke, you know. So, um, yeah, I love Sleepwalkers. I'm so glad it's number one here. I'm very, very happy about that. So... Uh, yeah, well, unless Clay we'll does it for fuck's sake. Yeah. Well, what if I? Well, I already said this was my number one, so it really would be quite a twist if I uh, decided yeah. to do this. <laughs> no. This is my number one for all the reasons everybody just said. It's it's crazy. Uh, Mick Garris just wrapped up his uh, podcast recently, and they they celebrated with a screening of Sleepwalkers, and they did it at the Egyptian and not the Arrow, <laughs> even though Sleepwalkers uh-huh. contains one of the most iconic scenes ever shot at the Arrow Theater. Indeed. Madchenamic dancing around the, uh, the, 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 the lobby, lobby there. While, while vacuuming. Yeah. While vacuuming. I mean, it's just, I mean, uh, that, so that decision baffled me, but I love this movie. L- like Ryan does every, every night, right? Yeah, Ryan, you do that. You've oh. listened to what is the song she's listening to? It's "Do You Love Me." Do you love me? That's right. Do you ever Every listen night. to that and like dance around? Oh, all the, the time, all the time. <laughs> Have you considered putting in Arcade Machine back? It's 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 <laughs> it's fun to watch that and look at how they have the the the, the lobby laid out right. in the Arrow uh, in 1992, and there's an arcade, yeah, an arcade machine there by the stairs. Loud ass Pac Man back there near yeah. the bathroom. <laughs> um, no, but like Ryan. This is my biggest disappointment uh, that it was not on the King 
mini mega. I love this movie. The first time I saw it, I watched it two days in a row. I was so stoked on it. Uh, <laughs> just a fucking wild movie. Um, and I love this cameo. Like you guys said, it's a really elegantly written, really funny scene. It's probably the best scene that he's in. Yeah. Um, the joke is great. His lines are very funny. He's talking about like, I look, I, I locked this place up. I can't help it. If perverts, he keeps saying perverts in a really pronounced way, which is fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, he's complaining to Toby Hooper and Toby Hooper says, don't talk to me. Talk to that guy. He walks up, starts talking to Clive Barker, who says, don't talk to me. Talk to the sheriff. He goes to the sheriff and the sheriff's like, not now. It's a great bit. Like you said, it's, it is a, it is perhaps one of the ultimate cameo scenes in any movie and anchored by by king so had to be here had to be number one i am very pleased clay excellent choice excellent choice (laughs) well look at that outside of the random jeopardy allowance that we did i think that's a pretty strong list uh we'll get to discards in a second but scott are you happy before we move on i you know um i have a i have a real soft spot for for sleepwalkers and um I, you know, if this were my list, Maximum Overdrive would have been the top spot. But this, you know, I can't be mad about this. You know, it is it's a great cameo. I, you know, I'm a big fan of the movie. Um, And in fact, you know, to to y'all's point about it not appearing on our our mini mega, um, you know, I kind of went back and forth on that or Night Flyer. But because the Night Flyer is a movie that Eric and I both really like that movie and a lot Mm -hmm. of people hate that fucking movie. And every time we say positive things about it on the show, um, we'll hear from somebody who's got some some bullshit to say. Right. Um, (laughs) It felt appropriate uh, as as being there representing the King cast on the show that um, one of us should get the night flyer in there. And I I don't think Eric I I don't know if he he would have done it, but I thought he might have done Sleepwalkers. So I got it in there like right at the tail end, you know maybe piss off a few people and also, you know, uh, <laughs> give a little shout out to Miguel Ferrer's one of his only um, lead performances. What that spot represented for me was, you know, I had night flyer on my list as well, but I also had sleepwalkers kind of like as a, as like a wild card. Mm-hmm. Pick, uh, if I happen to get that slot, uh, but they represent the same thing, which is yes. that kind of weird B not super highfalutin, you know, side of Stephen King, which I knew that, us doing the best 13 adaptations with no like restrictions on genre. I knew that the top of the list was going to be getting into, you know, just the, the meteor Stephen King. Stuff, and I wanted to make Gary, it blah, blah, blah. But Shawshank stand by <laughs> me, you know? So it's, uh, uh, you know, so I, I knew that I wanted, wanted something represented, whether it was creep show or, or, uh, night flyer or, uh, in this case, sleepwalkers. I think that would have been my spot for it, but you got the, the first two picks. And I think my first pick was at number nine or so. So I was already in the, the point where it was a little too high up on the list to, to realistically, uh, throw those in. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you did, but I also understand why you guys would be upset at, uh, sleepwalkers. <laughs> the list, so, all um, is forgiven. All is forgiven. Good. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about uh, our discards. What didn't make the cut? There are a few notable ones that uh, that I would have considered. My discards were the my big discard is Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. That was the one where I was really torn between that and um, it. Chapter two. He plays Bachman, who is this uh-huh. sort of uh, leather clad um, Sons of Anarchy style um, 
the wolf, you know, the character that uh, Harvey Keitel plays in, Mm -hmm. um, in Pulp Fiction, where you like call him when you need to get rid of a body. So he rolls up. He was just, yeah, the story goes, he was just a big Sons of Anarchy fan and he made it known. This may have even been early days of Twitter where he would, he would, and he still does this. He's still very vocal about things that he reads and watches that he loves. But I remember in the early days of Twitter, he was tweeting constantly about Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I guess he just got hooked up with the show and it's a great cameo. He drives in on a motorcycle. uh, He comes in, he's inspecting this dead body in a, in a basement, um, figuring out how he's going to, you know, presumably cut it up and dispose of it. Uh, And he's got, you know, one great line where he's telling him like, he has like a list of things he needs. He hands it to uh, Katie Seagal. And then he goes to um, Kim Coates. and is like, it's like, I, I need music. 80s and kim kim <laughs> has this has this look on his face like oh this guy's fucking cool <laughs> uh it's a great that's a great little bit um uh and and i would have put that at number two just because it feels like perhaps the biggest uh feat of like wish fulfillment of these cameos where he's like i want to be on sons of anarchy i want to ride a motorcycle i want to wear a leather jacket and have sunglasses and he just got to do it. And I, I, I love that for him. But the other one was, is in the year 2000, he does, we talked about the Simpsons, which I played mm-hmm. also in the year 2000, he does a cameo in the other, like, uh, you know, rite of passage, brass ring TV cameo thing, which is being a, a call in guest on Frasier. Mm. Um, but that one is so brief. He says like three words or something. I was like, I just couldn't justify it. Right. Um, so I went with the Simpsons. Uh, but yeah, those are my, those are my discards. And in my research, I saw a couple of other things that I was kind of charmed by, but, um, but no, those are, th- those are mine. Nice. Ryan, what, what were your discards? Uh, Scott and I probably have a couple of thoughts on some other cameos. I know I, I have one too, but I'm, I want to hear, hear you both, both out. You are the guests. What, what you got? Um, my first one is probably my first like major cameo that I remember, which is pet cemetery where he plays mm-hmm. the priest. Uh, right. It's like, Oh, that's Stephen King. Oh, you know, but it's not great. I mean, but I, I like it because it has a like nostalgic feel yeah. for me. Uh, but another nostalgic feel that I love is his role at, I don't know if this would be a cameo. I don't know technically, <laughs> but he is uh, great as Teddy in um, the stand, the stand miniseries from the nineties. Uh, right. He's driving Laura. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, he's driving Nadine and is getting her across the border and um, he's great in it. You know, he's, he's very, he's very good in that, I think. And I think he captures that role really well. Um, love he the likes wearing vests for some reason. He's got loves vests a vest. On. A lot of fan of vest. Yeah, totally. I love a vest too. So, um, <laughs> but those are my two. Yeah, I okay. think those are those are two greats. Uh, Scott, I'm curious what you what might jump into your mind because I I have a couple. One of them maybe because it was fresh was uh, watching Rose Red and he shows up as the pizza guy. Yep, yep. Like, that delivering one. the pizza. He uh, has like a good, like, where he's playing the yeah. the preacher. Um, right. Yeah. <clears throat> that was. You know, when I think Stephen King cameos, that's the first image that pops into my mind is him with his arms outstretched, wearing the robes in that cemetery and in Pet Cemetery. Um, It's not, you know, it's not a particularly fun cameo. I mean, I guess it's kind of funny. He's like, you know, playing that role, but it's not. Yeah, it's not much of a bit. You know, it's not 
maximum overdrive. It's not the sleepwalkers thing. It's not like any of the other things that, that we've, we've mentioned here. So I think it's just the iconography of that, that shot, but, and that that may just be personal iconography to me. Uh, Right. Probably would have caused me to add it somewhere in here. For sure. I think that there's a pretty good balance on this list though, where I'm glad that you, you ended up choosing it over one of the other, even something like Sons of Anarchy, which might be better, but it seems like the the list is right now ends up being weighted fairly well between King as a persona and King appearing in his own stuff. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. The other cameos that kind of jumped to my mind, and they're not in good things, so this is probably <laughs> why they didn't uh, pop up. Matter of fact, I believe King, when uh, Andy Muschietti asked him to be in It Chapter Two, he's, he warned him, saying, "It, te- I just, I'll do it, but I'm telling you, if I'm in the movie, odds are it's going to be bad." So, <laughs> uh, and guess what happened? Maybe it's the curse of the King. You don't know, but. Uh, um, but he has a cameo in Thinner where he plays a character, no shit, named Dr. Bangor. Yes. Um, <laughs> and and it's like, it. it's shot like early Peter Jackson, like all these like fish angle lenses, like close ups on him. And they make him look like a fucking mad scientist. And he's like a pharmacist or some shit. It's not like he's doing anything crazy. So that's bizarre. And then he has a cameo in the Langoliers where, where he's like, Oh my uh, God, I forgot about where, that. One. Yeah. Where he's like sitting on the tarmac and like a vision from, Craig Toomey right. where he's playing Craig Toomey's boss and is yelling at him around a conference table or something with a deeply unfortunate <laughs> mustache with a horrible oh, haircut yeah. as well. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I discounted that one because I, I had to turn away from my screen. That haircut was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's some rough ones in there, but those jump to mind too. But I don't know if I, if definitely Langoliers might not have made my list, but uh, something in the back of my mind might've thrown the thinner cameo at like number seven. But uh but overall, I'm very happy with the list. Let's do a final rundown. The Simpsons at number seven, Knight Riders at number six, his Jeopardy appearance in full at number five. Uh, fuck you, David Duchovny. Uh, number four, Future uh. 2. Number three, Maximum Overdrive. Number two was Sleepwalkers, then Vetoed for It Chapter 2, and then Sleepwalkers reigning supreme at number one. Fantastic. Uh, well Great done, list. everybody. Well that yeah, deserves a round of applause, I think. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Good job, Clay. I, I'm just saying that uh, you know we got this under two hours. Hey, yeah. look, look at look at the efficiency. Right, uh, it can happen. <laughs> it can happen. I'm I'm speaking for Scott now. <laughs> I'm speaking for Scott's bladder. Um, no, thank you guys so much for coming on. Like this is uh, this is a, a fuck ton of fun for us to uh, to do. It was so much fun for us uh, when we appeared on screen drafts. Absolutely. Uh, and we're we're very happy to bring a little bit of your your chaos over into the Kingcast zone. So. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for having us on and uh, the opportunity to play our own game and do a little twist on it. And uh, yeah, I hope your listeners had a good time. That's my primary concern. But uh, uh, it was a joy to have you guys on our show. And uh, this was really fun. I had a great time. Yeah. Thank well, you guys. I'm, I'm very glad we did this. This was a, a yeah. hell of a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> tell the people where where they can find you on social media, where they can find screen drafts, all that stuff. Sure. Yeah. Uh, we're just at screen drafts on all the social media things. Uh, you can find the show where all the podcasts are. Um, I don't know when this is dropping, but certainly you'll be able to go back and listen to Scott and Eric and Winter and Lewis on the Stephen King uh mini mega draft we have another stephen king draft way back way back in the archives that was just horror it excluded uh drama adaptations that was with heidi honeycutt and billy ray bruton so we've got 
a few different King things to listen to. And if you're a horror person, uh, lots and lots of great horror themed episodes throughout the years. Um, but also if you, there's also another Wampler episode back there. there, oh, yeah. there is another, if you want to listen to another episode where Scott slowly, uh, loses his mind and control of his, uh, of his bladder, listen, we did do, th- it's a good I, episode. It's a good episode here. That was, <laughs> I was unprepared for the experience. Right. And also, that time, I think we started recording at like nine o'clock at night or something, you know, right. and I had it's it's on me. I had not heard the show at that point. I was familiar with the format, but hadn't actually listened to it yet. So I was like, oh, well, yeah, well, what a way to find out and was shocked that that it was <laughs> going to be that long. <laughs> and I was, it was like a bucket of water in the face when I realized what was going to happen. And uh yeah, I was wholly unprepared for that. But this time around, <laughs> you guys were gracious enough to to allow us to record in the afternoon, which which really made a lot of difference up until like the end. I just got fucking hangry by the end of that shit. But uh, I, I also just think that a lot of our listeners love when we torture our guests. So that episode is sort of legendary in that way. So, yeah, I think yes. people like to hear me uh, displeased. I, I have found that <laughs> the more I find it, I am, myself, the, the unhappier I am, the more delighted others are. That's just my lot in life. <laughs> yeah, screen drafts can be the the marathon of film discussions. But Scott, next time you come on, we'll have to have you on a nice like regular uh-huh. seven, seven title. But no, <laughs> yeah. the, the episode we're referring to is the Alien versus Predator super draft, where every Alien and Predator movie uh, were ranked. Uh, Scott, it was you and Brian Collins and uh, Angie Han. Yeah, yeah. group. Uh, really, really fun list. Um, but as I say, if you uh, are listening to this, um, and this goes up sometime in the next couple of weeks i'm not entirely sure uh but if you're in the pacific northwest we are doing a live show uh year two of the make-believe seattle film festival which is a genre focused film festival that happens in seattle um is happening uh, at the end of march and we are doing a live show on sunday march 24th at two in the afternoon at northwest film forum uh it's gonna be great we had a blast last year doing it we get the audience involved the audience gets a veto Uh, We're doing trivia. We're doing all kinds of things. But the topic for the draft is going to be the same as the topic for the festival this year, which is coming of age in genre. So we're going to have on Clark Wolf, Chris Thomas Devlin, Graham Skipper and Billy Ray Bruton uh, doing a draft of the best coming of age movies uh, that are either sci fi, fantasy or horror. Um, So really, really excited for that. You can get a badge for the festival or you can just get single tickets uh as well so uh check out make believe uh seattle uh find that website and get tickets uh pacific northwest come and say hi and you can yell at me because usually uh ryan is the only person who gets yelled at in person by people Um, (laughs) so you will know where i will be if you want to yell at me specifically uh it's going to be sunday the 24th of march uh in seattle Excellent. Well, gentlemen, thank you once again for for being here. This was fantastic. And uh, hope to see you at a Fantastic Fest again this year. Oh, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, it's always fun running into you guys. Many thanks to Screen Draft's own Clay Keller and Ryan Marker for joining us for this uh, rather curveball-ish episode. Uh, As as, uh, we've we've mentioned a couple of times, uh, expect to see us throw a few of these curveballs in uh, in uh, this year, uh, as we've said before, we've done this for four years now. We got to keep the add some variety, a little spice of life. That's right. 
That's uh, right. And I, I love this. This this is this is actually so fun for me, especially coming off of our screen drafts appearance. It was nice to have the roles reversed a little bit, and not have all the pressure on us. Watch them. Yeah, they were they, they they're great. Um, it was it was fun flipping the rules around on them. You know, I have I have no complaints. I would I would do another one with these guys. Maybe we'll figure out another one that's uh you know even more complicated. Yes, like a bigger task for them. Like they've asked we're, a lot of us. Is what yes. I'm saying. You know, well, I think that it would be reasonable to have them rank all of the Dean Koontz adaptations. There we go. Love and it. then that means they have to watch all of the Dean Koontz movies. Yes. And have oh. fun with that, y'all. Beautiful. Love it. No notes. <laughs> okay. So what do we got heading up soon? Next week in the main feed, we are welcoming director Jeff Wadlow to the show. This is his first appearance. He has a movie coming out called Imaginary that uh, yes. Blumhouse is putting out. He had a very interesting choice of topic. He wanted to discuss the entirety of the Bachman books. So we're talking about the Bachman books collection that came out in the eighties that features rage, uh, the running man, the long walk and road work. And so yes. this is a, it's, it's not an insignificantly sized episode. This one, because we do have a, to cover a lot of ground, I will say, you know, it's, it's a pretty complicated, you know, uh, a selection of stories. And so we dive a little bit into the, the Bachman of it, of King and the difference in his styles between, the stuff he published on his own and his Bachman. And we kind of dive into a lot of the controversy around a lot of the stories in there. It's, it's a, it's a little bit of a meteor episode. I think I, I, uh, I really enjoyed our chat with, um, with Jeff. Yeah. He's a lot of fun. We're looking forward to imaginary like Blumhouse is clearly putting a lot of weight behind this, which leads me to believe they know they have like a, like an ass beater on their hands. Mm. I think this is going to be a, a good one. We haven't seen it yet. We weren't allowed to see it before uh, we talked to Jeff, but he's a wonderful guest. I think you'll end up hearing from us and him again at some point. But yeah, really good time revisiting yeah. the Bachman shit with him. Yeah, it's a fun one. And we haven't talked about a lot of these titles on Maine. So this is yeah, this true. is uh, another Just another uh, thing checked off. Right. So uh, yeah. what can you tell uh, everybody about what's happening on the Patreon this Friday, Scott? Well, we're doing another ranking. We have an episode with a journalist by the name of Amanda June Bell. She's worked for MTV and The Messenger and a, a ton of other places. And uh, she specializes in, in TV to some degree. So we asked her on to rank the various Stephen King miniseries over the years. And uh, she comes on, presents her findings, and you're going to find out whether or not we uh, agree or disagree with mm. the list she came up with and not just agree or disagree on the list, but agree or disagree on what constitutes a mini series or not. Also that. It, yeah. It's, 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 it's a, it's an interesting thing once you start diving into it. Uh, uh, but it's another fun one. If you, if you dug the episode you just listened to and you fucking better, cause I think that was a, a banger of an episode, then you'll, you'll definitely dig what we got on the Patreon. So make sure to sign up, throw us a few bucks at patreoncom slash the King and uh, you'll hear that. You'll hear all of our Shelbyville episodes, provided you're in the right tier. You got to be in that $10 tier for Shelbyville, baby. Yeah. That's that's uh, that's where all the gold is. Um, we have interviews and a bunch of shit. At this point, we have hundreds of episodes there. So if you aren't sick of our voice just yet and want to hear us talk about more Stephen King shit and you haven't uh, signed up for our Patreon, well, I got good news for you because there's a bunch of new episodes a waiting for you. A gold mine awaits you. Yes. Yes, it, it can it can get you through uh, the apocalypse, I believe. So yeah, so you want to do that? Very Just future proof yourself for the apocalypse. Um, yes. 
Well, I think that's about it. So I guess we'll uh, see y'all next week in the main feed with Jeff Wadlow talking about the Bachman books and uh, this Friday with Amanda June Bell on our Patreon uh, ranking some Stephen King miniseries. Adios, folks. Bye. The KingCast is a Fangoria podcast production. The show is produced, hosted, and created by Eric Vespi, that's me, and Scott Wampler. Tira Ansley and Abby Goel are executive producers. Daniel Danger is our art director. And editing is done by yours truly. Thank you.